Did I cosplay? I don't remember if I did. That was a really good cosplay, though. Thanks. Yeah, I feel like the best part about, like, Pokemon Gajinka cosplays is that <laughs> as long as you nail enough details, people will know who you are. Um, but it's also just, like, you... It, like, because mine is a little bit more abstract, it was just, like, just think about it. Like, I'll give you clues... And then once, like, I gave people enough clues, it was like, oh, you're this. And um, I don't remember if I told you there was, like, this one guy there who was selling pins, uh, Memobot. Um, and so he's, like, this <laughs> really big, burly Asian guy. And <laughs> all of his artwork is, like, super cutesy. Um, and I love that. he had a Gardevoir pin. Uh, that I really wanted to get, but I think he had sold out. Um, but anyways, like, I had, like, stopped in front of his booth, um, and, like, I ended up talking to his, like, co-host person, um, and I didn't get his attention to actually, like, show off the cosplay, which I'm a little bit sad about, but uh, it's fun, because, like, I mean, you experienced wearing a cape. Like, yeah. Having a cape that takes up the entire sidewalk when it billows is, like, amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's great. Um, so that part was fun. It, it was definitely, like, people... I don't think people really paid attention. And I think that's half because, like, New York City is, like, the largest collection of people who don't give a fuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, and I think that goes, like, doubly for Comic-Con. Uh, sometimes, like, if they don't know who you are, they just, like, won't pay attention. So, I don't know, like, what else I can add to the cosplay to, like, make it more apparent. Um, I think, like, maybe if I... I I have plans to, like, rework the earpieces, um, but even then, I don't think that's, like, the thing that would make me recognizable. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, but... I get you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, welcome, everybody, to Nonsense and Noise, a podcast about the queer person color pop culture experience. Uh, I'm your host, Nathan Cotto. And hey, everybody, I finally have a guest back, returning friend of the pod, Vesper Adelaide. Welcome back, my friend. Hello. Thank you. It's good to have you here. And glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah. How have you been? I have been all right. Pretty busy because that's like the busy season at work, but mm-hmm. we are winding down soon and I get to learn new things. Oh, yay. What what months are the busy season usually for you? <laughs> um, Like April to September, October-ish. Ah, okay. So we're, we're winding down slowly. You're almost there. It's September. October happens in 25 days. Yeah, we'll get there soon we'll get there that just reminds (laughs) me of like i don't remember if i told you earlier but there was one time like earlier this year when i was super busy at work and one of my coworkers was like i admire your tenacity and like your stick-to-itiveness and like you're like really (laughs) on top of it and i just like (laughs) i messaged her just like i need you to know that what's getting me through this is one day this will all be over (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and she, and like, I think she was so taken aback because it's like one of the most, like, 
it's such a dark statement. And I was just like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I didn't, I mean it, I didn't mean it like I'm going to be dead. It's, it's like the, the whole, like, like, I will one day, like, we will be done with this. Luckily, time moves only forward, <laughs> so I won't have to repeat doing this. It was very funny. Um, yeah, it was a very funny moment of just like, excuse me, what did you just say? I was like, oh, God, I messed up. I fucked up. <laughs> That's so good. How about stuff, uh, other stuff outside of work? How, how, what, anything fun that you've been up to? Um, not particularly, I don't think. Ah. It's been kind of catching up with chores from when I had surgery. Ah, yes. Which, uh, takes a bit. This is true. I, uh, I too have been super busy with work and, um, some fun look behind the curtain for the listeners. We're recording this on September 5th. Uh, as you all know, I put out an episode like last week (laughs) because, um, I continued to not learn my lesson over the course of the summer and recorded very late in the month and, um vesper and i have been meaning to do this episode for a little bit or not a long time but like we we've had this idea for a little bit and we were both like oh we'll do it over labor day weekend um and then both of us uh like we're talking to each other on monday and monday it didn't happen so now here we are on tuesday recording um (laughs) but yeah so i was just i'm (laughs) just like frantically thinking what else have i been up to other than work um I, you know, I don't know, I've just been working. This project that I'm on is almost done. Um, and Good. I, uh, yeah, I was telling, uh, telling Vesper earlier, it might have been in the cold open. I don't know, because I will be editing this, <laughs> editing this in the future. I don't, I, I'll decide what to put in the cold open later. Um, but in case it wasn't in the cold open already, uh, I haven't taken a full week of vacation at all this year i took a look at my vacation like log at work um and it's like i took two days off the week of the week of my birthday because my birthday this year was a wednesday and i figured a work wednesday the the more important part right is like i like then celebrating like that night and like everything afterwards so i was just like i'll take thursday and friday off um so i did that and then like i've taken a couple days here and there um, so in total, like, I've taken 10 days of vacation this year, but, like, not all at once. Um, so, like, <laughs> last night I was talking to friends, and I was just like, I feel miserable! I wonder why! And then I was like, oh, I haven't taken extended vacation. So um, I'm going to try and be doing that uh, probably sometime this month. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I don't have any fun life updates. So... I guess without further ado, we'll just hop into pop culture. Um, we'll do video games first. So um, the first game of note is actually came out at the end of last month on August 30th for PC. It's called Great Houses of Calderia. Um, and I actually heard about this game from the Queer Gaming Magazine Twitter account um mostly because they were just like this game is for the messy gays and i was just like oh i'm intrigued um but so what it is it's like a political like political sim game um where you basically have to like 
maneuver your character through um, like different situations and basically establish your family as a rule, a successful ruling dynasty. Um, I think it's like Venice or like Italy or whatever. But anyways, the selling point for at least the queer gaming magazine was that you can flirt with like if you play as like a, a man then you can flirt with other men um same thing if you're a woman but then in the same article that um this magazine was reporting on they were just, they were just like oh or at least we got they got word from the developers that like you can flirt with people but you cannot marry them and i was just like what's the, I mean, not fully what's the point, because, like, I guess flirting is good, but, like, I, I'm i just like, where's where's the beef? I want more. <laughs> we gotta make it. We gotta make the own beef. Gotta make your own beef. Gotta <laughs> grow your own cow. <laughs> from scratch. Grow your own cow from scratch. Um, make your own beef. Make your own, make your own burger, but... Jesus. Any, any thoughts from you, Gus, on, like... Anything that I mentioned about it? Anything that grabs your interest? Or I think it's not my typical type of game. Mm-hmm. From what I've seen of it, yeah, I do still think it's very funny that like a minute before you linked it, I found it like through the Steam <laughs> recommendation discovery queue or whatever. I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. I think um, I do think all of our devices could spend less time listening to us. That would be really cool. Um, uh, yeah, I know, right? We live in a surveillance state. Um, I hate it. So, um, but yes, that is Great Houses of Calderia. It's already out on PC. Um, if you're interested, I'm kind of interested. I feel like maybe I'll pick it up during a sale and give it a try. But then, of course, I'm adding it to the like massive pile of games that are in my Steam library, just like rotting, <laughs> unplayed. <laughs> so, that is Great Houses of Calderia out already uh came out august 30th on pc i think it's only on pc um the next one is starfield which came out on september 6th um for xbox and pc all i really know about this is that it is a looter shooter kind of like fallout or um there's another looter shooter that i'm forgetting about because i don't really pay attention to that genre but it's set in space um, I know Vess and I have a friend, a mutual friend, who's playing this game, and he's having a great time. Do you have any 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 thoughts or feelings about Starfield? Is this... Are you a looter shooter type of person? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't really think I am at all. Yeah. I do know that it, like, it became accessible to Canada ten minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> um, which is interesting. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. I think he's playing, because, uh, like, Game Pass got it a couple days early yeah because technically right now it's not actually out yet because today is september as i mentioned before dave record is september 5th this comes out september 6th which is tomorrow so yeah um but yeah so neither of us are looter shooters uh so that's pretty much all you're gonna get from us on thoughts (laughs) it is bethesda it is bethesda they finally i don't know how i feel about them but well, I mean, I guess to their credit, they finally moved past releasing Skyrim for the fifth time. I think it's closer to, like, the tenth time. But yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All I know about Skyrim is that it's 
right now it's unplayable without mods. I know that at launch it was like a groundbreaking game, but now everybody's just like, if you want to play Skyrim, you should download like so many mods to make it actually <laughs> yeah. remotely bearable. Um, I actually won it the day it came out. You won it? Yeah. Through like um, an IRC server. <laughs> what does IRC um, stand for again? Internet Relay Chat. Oh, okay. um, oh wow. I haven't thought. <laughs> yeah. That's a blast <laughs> from the past. Woo! Yeah, wow. so that was a long time ago. Yeah, um, fun fun facts. Uh, Vess and I are we're not we're not technically chronologically old, but we are old in gay years. Um, <laughs> yeah, which means that we are no longer in our twenties. Um, but yeah, ooh, IRC chat. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time there <laughs> in university. That wasn't even, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it was definitely long ago. Oh, yeah. I think um, in two years, it will be, have been 10 years since I graduated from undergrad. Um, Like, currently, it's been over 10 years since I graduated from high school. So, I mean, I guess the passage of time is a thing, whether we like it or not. Yeah, in six months, it'll be my um, 10 years since I graduated university the first time. Ah, wow. (laughs) Time sure that. does fly when you're alive, I guess. Um, yeah, let's stop thinking about being alive. <laughs> but, but not, like, in a bad way. <laughs> yes, just in an, I don't want to perceive that We don't want to perceive the, the passage of time. Although sometimes <laughs> I would like to perceive the passage of time faster, so that way it can get closer to the next video game release. So, um, that was Starfield, which is coming out tomorrow, September 6th. Um, by the time this episode is released, it will not be tomorrow. It will have been September 6th. Um, the next <laughs> game, uh, Passage of Time after that, is Lies of P, which is coming out on September 19th for all platforms other than the Switch. Um, Vest actually brought this one up um, as we were building the pop culture section together, and I forgot about this game. It is the Pinocchio horror game. Um do you have any interest in picking this one up? Maybe. Maybe not for the price point. I might wait till it goes on sale. Yeah. I do like the concept of Souls-like games. Okay. I'm very, very bad at them, of course. I think most people are. Yes, I think... But the concept is fun. <laughs> I, I'm interested to hear, if you do pick it up, like, what a Souls-like is in the context of, like, Dark Pinocchio. Like, are you beating up the whale um i don't even remember who the villain of pinocchio is like all i remember is like he's a puppet he gets brought to life and then he like goes on an adventure um with his little cricket friend they get swallowed by a whale at some point in time and i don't remember what happens afterwards other than like the fact that when pinocchio lies his nose grows and that's about it there's a fairy yeah um I'm looking at the game page. I don't see any crickets or fairies. <laughs> and his nose looks relatively normal. Okay, um, so... So far. Basically nothing about the original <laughs> source material is there. So maybe there's a lot of, like, imagination and it's cool. But, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think I'm going to pick it up. Because, like, I, I feel like maybe one day I would play a Souls-like game. But I feel like I don't necessarily want a game that's hard for the sake of being hard i can understand that like 
for you, um, not this is not meant as like an interrogation as much as just like I'm curious. Like, what is the draw of a Souls like for you? Um, from what I've played previously, just like the options that are available to you, and not necessarily everything being like this is the only way to do said thing. Hmm. Okay. So that is Lies of P coming out on all platforms other than the Switch um, on September nineteenth. Uh, the next one is a little fun mention, just because I played Pikmin 3 recently, I ordered a copy of Pikmin 4 because I figured it was time, um, but Pikmin 1 <laughs> and 2 are getting a physical release for the Switch on September 22nd. I personally am surprised by this, I didn't, like, I know that there's a Pikmin fandom, but I didn't know that they were, like, large enough or vocal enough, or, like, that Pikmin was as popular of a franchise as it is to merit not only getting, like, Pikmin 4, but also getting the first two games remade. Like, I don't remember when the... I think the original Pikmin came out in, like, the early 2000s. Um, Vest, did you ever play Pikmin? I think I played it maybe once for about 20 minutes, and I was like, this is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot of kids probably did not have a great time with Pikmin 1, because, like, um, Pikmin 1 was hard... Um, not only because it's, like, multitasking, but because, like, it was very easy to fail the victory conditions of, like, getting all the spaceship parts. And I feel like a big part of Pikmin 1 was, like, you have to sort of, like, experiment throughout the day, the, the Pikmin game day, of, like, finding what's the best way to, like, do stuff the most efficient way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and if you fucked up, then you restart your day to like basically it's like an iterative process where you like learned over time and of course like as a kid um in our current education system i don't know if i would assume that it's kind of the same in canada as well but like you're taught like failure is bad and like not to fail at all period um (laughs) and so pikmin one um as a kid is very stressful because you're like i'm gonna fail um and then you just stop playing because like you're scared of failing um but of course now as an adult uh i'm just like oh i kind of wish that pikmin was still as difficult as pikmin 1 because like pikmin 3 was very forgiving um if you fucked up uh at any point you could go back and like replay a previous day um at any point in time like so there's no time limit um, the only time limit is, like, you have to get enough fruit to have juice for your little commanders. And it's very easy to have a surplus, so, like, actually failure conditions in Pikmin 3, I feel like, are quite hard to encounter. Um, but, yeah, if you did encounter them for whatever reason, you can go back and play any past day, which I thought was very forgiving. But um, that's enough about Pikmin. Pikmin 1 and 2 are coming out <laughs> on the Switch. Uh the physical re-releases are coming out on the Switch on September 22nd. Um, the last one that we wanted to highlight is coming out for the Switch, and it's on PC. It's called Muneco's Night Market, um, coming out on September 26th. Um, and from what I remember, this is like a... What is it? It's like a... Um, is it one one of those where you like loot the dungeon at night and then sell the goods during the day? I don't remember. I'm not certain if there's any sort of looting. It's a crafting game for sure. Oh, okay, never mind. That's right. It's crafting, then you sell your you you sell your crafted items. There's lots of cats. 
And there's lots of cats. Many, many cats, it says on the page, actually. What else could you want from a game? Crafting in cats. Do you think you're going to pick this one up? I don't know. I have so many on the backlog right now. (laughs) Um, The perpetual problem. If I had any idea what the price might be, then maybe. I would think it probably is cheaper because I remember seeing this on an indie showcase. Um, Not that that's a guarantee that it's cheap because like some of the sometimes indie games are not like less than ten dollars. Um, which I don't think that's necessarily the price point that I want for an indie game, but like, you know, indie games are certainly not the full like 60 bucks that Nintendo is charging for their games, or if you're Tears of the Kingdom, $70. So, but yes, if you're interested in crafting and cats, check out Mineko's Night Market coming out on September 26th. Um, okay, so that's all for video games. In terms of movies, uh, it will be a little bit shorter. Uh, we've got three of them. The first is A Haunting in Venice, which comes out on September 15th, and that is featuring Michelle Yeoh. Um, and this is a continuation of um, the Agatha Christie mystery novels t- turned movies. There's, I think, Death on the Nile and then Murder on the Orient Express, I think, were the other two movies that were made. Um but the, I think the unique one about Haunting in Venice is that it's um, more supernatural elements in there. I think Michelle Yeoh actually plays the medium. Um, so that's cool. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to see it. I would probably see it for Michelle Yeoh just because like, I like her. Um, but that is Haunting in Venice, September 15th. And then the next one, which I think is more interesting, more relevant to the the like podcast as a whole, is called Cassandro, coming out on September 22nd. It is a biopic about Saul Armendariz, um, who is an exotico, um, and that means that he's basically like a, a wrestler, or I guess a luchador, who dresses in drag. Um, and this is starring Gail Garcia Bernal. Um, but yeah, so the, the cool thing about this movie, or at least about, like, uh, Saul Amandaris is, like, he, so for Exoticos, um, in, like, the luchador scene, like, tend to, like, they dress up in drag, they are, like, overly effeminate, um, but, like, they're supposed to lose, I think, is, like, the normal rules, and with Saul Armendariz, he, like, actually turned it on its head, and he's, like, I'm going to be an Exotico, but I'm going to win. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Vesper, I know I didn't ask you for any thoughts on Haunting in Venice, but that's also because I know you probably don't <laughs> have any too many thoughts. But any what are your any, any thoughts, feelings about either of the movies that I've mentioned so far? Conceptually, Cassandra sounds great. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't watch things too often, but I might watch this, actually. Oh, cool. Oh, I'm glad to have changed your mind, <laughs> or at least put it on your radar. Yeah, I, yeah. it looks really cool. Um, I'm hoping that I don't remember like how much. Um, I, like, I'm gonna bet that there's homophobia involved, just because, like I mentioned before, like exoticos like are supposed to lose, and so obviously people will not be happy when you upset the status quo. Um, so I'm not sure how much of a, like a content warning to put on that movie, but like I'm sure there is some. Um, but I, I I think like Cassandro, 
um, I think like the the actual guy, Saul Armendariz, um, like I think he is quite famous and actually very well liked. So I think he was like successful in like changing people's perceptions, which is great. Absolutely. So that's Cassandra coming out on t- September twenty second. The other thing that's coming out on September twenty second is called "It Lives Inside." Um, this is a supernatural horror film about a girl who has to exercise a demon that has possessed her friend by learning about and exploring her own heritage. Um, this is starring Megan Suri, and it's directed by Bishal Dutta. Um, so I thought this was really cool to highlight because um, number well, I guess number one folks who know me know that I don't really like horror films. This one I like maybe would be interested in seeing because like it's delving into like not like judeo-christian like demons um which actually to me interestingly enough i feel i find like those movies actually super terrifying but like this is like a demon from an or like a malevolent spirit from another culture and like the fact that the like the title character or like not the title character the main character like has to like explore her own heritage when like she doesn't the other part of it is, like, she's not super connected to her heritage, so, like, the fact that she has to explore it to, like, help exercise the demon, I think, is really cool. Um, I know when I mentioned it to Vess when we were constructing the episode, he was like, this also sounds really cool, so, um, any other thoughts about that? I think we need more things like this in general, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, because concept is great. I'm gonna watch it. I have to find someone to actually go with. I'm definitely not going alone. <laughs> yes, yes. Horror movies are. Uh, I haven't. I mean, I'm trying to remember. Like, what's the? Lo- I don't think I've seen like even a thriller by myself. Um, I don't know who I. I think I have somebody in mind who I could see this with. But uh, yes, if only we were geographically closer, then I'd be like, all right, let's go see this. Oh, absolutely. Um, can't fly over there just for that. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so yeah, that's our pop culture roundup. We are going to take a quick break and then we will be back with the main content. All right. And we are back from the break. So the main content for this month is going to be Vess and I talking about the Barbie movie. Um, and some of you might be like, Nathan, why did you go see the Barbie movie? It's just featuring white people. Um, to which I say, well, yes, that's true. There are a lot of white people in there, but there are also some other people of color. Um, granted, they are in supporting roles, so technically I did break my rule to see this movie, but also I wanted to, because mostly, if you're looking for a reason to see Barbie, um, let's just, like, obviously the feminism part is, like, pretty upfront, mostly just because if you're online at all, you've probably seen, like, conservative folks being like, oh, this, this movie's too woke, um, or like Ben <laughs> Shapiro being like, this is too feminist. It's like super in my face. Um, so like, let me just say it's very like gentle feminism. Um, and also themes of like growing up and imposter syndrome. Um, and at least for me, like I do love a good movie about like coming of age and stuff. Uh, and I think also, especially in like the context of Barbie, like exploring imposter syndrome, um, was actually really cool um, and something that I wasn't expecting. Like, honestly, when I read this, like, snippet on Tumblr, I think it was, that was saying, like, Barbie's exploring, you know, growing up and imposter syndrome, um, I was like, wow, when was anybody going to tell me that the Barbie movie is, like, 
this multifaceted um, instead <laughs> of just like a dumb, silly movie about Barbies. So, um, yeah, that's that's our like quick little summary. And just in case you want a reason to watch it, in case you haven't watched it already, um, and you're looking for sort of like synopsis, that's what it's about. Um, what did you think of the movie, Jess? I liked it a lot. Obviously, there were some things I could have gone without, like that yes. very end part. But yes, beyond that, it was fun. It was silly. That was why I watched it. I wasn't watching it for the message necessarily, yeah. though. I think there were things that could have definitely been improved on message-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were some of the things that you liked about it? I liked the rivalry mm-hmm. between the cans a lot. I thought that was great. Yeah. I liked how all the effects were practical effects rather than, like, CG. I thought that was a nice touch. Yes, a very nice touch in our CG world. Especially, like, the um, waves. I think those turned out really well, especially in the, um, for lack of a better term, decathlon section, basically, is what that was. Oh, the you mean, like, when they're going from Barbie world to, yeah. the, to the real world? Yeah. Those effects were fun. I I agree with you. I really liked all the practical effects. At least it, at least in Barbie Land, um, it was all practical effects for everything. Um, yeah, those were those were really fun. Um, especially like uh, when Barbie like steps out of her shoes for the first time. I think this is like in trailers, so it's not a spoiler. But also, there are probably going to be spoilers in this episode. So if you <laughs> haven't watched Barbie and you don't want spoilers, drop your phone. Uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast stop it and go directly to the movie theater and watch it (laughs) Um, more streaming services starting tomorrow september 6th oh it's okay yes go watch it in theaters or on stream um this is not we are not being sponsored by the barbie movie at all (laughs) um I will be a corporate shill later, but even then, it's like I'm being a corporate shill for free. Um, but yes, like Margot Robbie like steps out of her Barbie shoes and like she's got her heels up in like the um, Barbie pose. Um, so yeah, lots of fun practical effects. Um, brief side note: uh, I think we should go back to using practical effects in movies more. I agree completely. I think they are. What's the word? They were used for a reason before, and I think they still have their applications here in current year. Yeah. I think there was something that I saw that was, like, practical effects have more staying power than, or, like, more timelessness than CG. And I don't remember the CG example that they used, but it's, like, for example, when you're watching old Star Trek, um, like sure the the ship consoles look goofy and stuff but like they still feel real and like in place versus like some of the like some movies that use cg like feel a little corny yes. i guess so um also using practical effects uh decreases the amount of stress that you put uh cg animators through um in my opinion i think we should only be using cg uh for stuff that absolutely requires it um and not for everything i'm inclined to agree with that for sure yeah so um you liked the rivalry you liked the practical effects um was there anything else that you mentioned that you liked about it too I forget um i'm sure there was i might not have mentioned it just now i just liked a lot of it it was fun yeah. 
it made me feel emotions sometimes, which was unexpected. Very unexpected. I wasn't I expecting was not, that. <laughs> yes, I was not expecting there to be, like, tender moments in the Barbie movie. Um, yeah, I, um, like, there's a mother and daughter reconnection plot point or like plot line in the movie which like obviously is not advertised because like that's not i guess what people are expecting out of the barbie movie and so they're trying to hide it to get people to see it um but i mean i feel like we've uh, at least i've reviewed a lot of movies in the past two years that have had that mother-daughter reconnection sort of plot line with like turning red everything everywhere um encanto um I think that's, I mean, I, I say a lot, but like three is still a lot of movies to have that sort of connection there. So I thought that was fun. Uh, very, very charming and, or not charming, it was very heartwarming. Absolutely. Anything else that you liked? Fantastic question. <laughs> Nothing I can like pinpoint. Yeah. A lot of, just a lot of the lines were really good. A lot of the deliveries were really good. Yeah. There were some things, again, that I wasn't like the biggest fan of, but. Mm. They were mostly outweighed by the rest of the movie. Yeah, I agree. I like. I'm actually kind of surprised. Well, maybe not su- super surprised because like the director is already established. Like Greta Gerwig has other things. Um, not that I know them off the top of my head, but she has made other movies. Um, but like the number of actors that I recognized in this movie, like I feel like the cast had a lot of star power. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, in terms of, like, things that I liked, I... So, as y'all know, I feel like I'm pretty cerebral when I watch movies. Um, like, I'm always looking for, like, oh, what does this mean? And, like, you know, the sort of underlying message. Barbie was really nice in that um, a lot of the message was very surface. So you didn't have to go digging very far to understand what was going on. Um, so it was nice to, like, not fully turn off my brain, but, like you know, just enjoy it for what it was and not have to go, not actually have to go digging for stuff. So that was, that was nice. Um, I do agree with Vess. I really liked the practical effects. I think that was a really fun, charming part. Um, I, let's see, what else did I like? Um, Y'all know that I think Simulu is cute. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, that was, he he was, that was a nice part of him being in the movie. Um, I thought that the Ken dance scene was old cheesy, but I mean, it's Barbie, like... <laughs> I love that scene, actually. <laughs> um, it reminded me a little bit of, like, the boy band scene from Frozen 2. I don't... What? Did you watch Frozen 2? No. <laughs> okay, so there's there's a scene in Frozen 2 where Kristoff gets lost in the woods, and, like his, his, like, his solo song is basically, like, a boy band song from the early 2000s. Um, and his backup singers are a bunch of reindeer. Uh, it kind of gave me those vibes just because of like the group choreography thing. Um, and I think they were they singing at that point. I don't remember, or were they just aggressively dancing? I can't remember. It's been a hot minute since I watched this. <laughs> That's true. What did you, did you you saw like early? I saw it a day of release. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw it like a couple weeks after release, so. Um, which, like, the theaters are still packed down here, um, like, two weeks after release, which I feel like is crazy. Um, 
I think I went to go see it on like a Thursday night and it was still packed, which is wild. So, um, yeah, I like seeing Simu in it. Um, granted, he was cheap. And I mean, like, it's Ken. It's whatever. It's a campy character. Um, what else did I like about it? Um, practical effects. It was easy access. Um, the heartwarming moment between mom and daughter. Um Oh, actually, I think the fun part about the actors, at least, that I liked was um, I haven't done a review of the series on here yet, but one day I want to. Um, There's a Netflix series called Sex Education, um, and it's like a it's like the UK version of a high school show, um, like like specifically like an American high school show where there's like lots of um, like conversation around sex and everything. Um, but I really like that show. It's very well done, super charming, has a lot of heart, in my opinion, way better than, like, any American, like, high school show on TV, but, like, um, Barbie movie actually took three actors from that show, um, Shuti Gadwa, who was one of the Kens, um, I think her name is Emma Mackey? Uh, is one of, as the Nobel, Nobel Prize Barbie, or is it Nobel Prize? Do you remember, is it, are there two Nobel Prize Barbies? Or is it, there's Nobel Prize Barbie for, like, poetry, and then there's the physicist Barbie. I, physicist Barbie, Nobel Prize? I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, so one of the, uh, physicist Barbie is Emma Mackey, and she's also in sex education. Um, and then, like, one of the corporate Mattel people is also in sex education. I don't remember the actor's name. Sorry. <laughs> um, but he's just, like, a, a standard white guy. But his character in sex education is, like, a bisexual character, so that was cool. Um, I mean, I'm great. I'm glad to see that he, that actor's, like, getting more opportunities and stuff. It's, it's really, really great to see that for that cast because, like, sex education is a great, great show. Uh, if you have not watched that already, I highly recommend it. Um, but this episode is not about that, so I'm going like, <laughs> to stop talking about sex education. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot to like, um, and uh, there's the, I feel like the, the funniest part of the movie is Ken coming back from the real world, um, having learned about patriarchy for the first time, um, and he implements it in Barbie land. Um, up to that point in time, Barbie land had been run by the Barbies. Um, and he makes it, was it Ken world or so? It wasn't Ken land. Um, I don't remember what they called the world, just the house. Yes. Um, the Mojo Dojo Casa House. Mojo Dojo Casa House is so good. It's very fun. It's so unnecessary, um, but it's very unnecessary. It's just like how many times can we say house in one in one name in how many different languages? Um, and yeah, so it's a, like that was that was a really funny arc. But I think Vess has a, a funny, I guess, like point that he wanted to bring up with like Ken learning about patriarchy and. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> All right, so I don't know. I'm I'm trans. There was a trans actress in the movie, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Wait, which character were, was the trans? Doctor Barbie. Oh, okay. Played by Hari Neff. Hari okay. Neff. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Okay. Um, which I thought was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. 
a lot of my issues with the movie are related to gender, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I don't know if it's unfortunate as much as just, like, you want you want that because it's like, I want to see myself in media. Um, Not even. Like... <laughs> I mean, yes, but I don't know how to put that into words in a way that makes sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, just the whole... First off, the concept of Ken, in general, mm-hmm. all of the Kens yes. is a gender in and of itself, mm-hmm. that I feel in my bones. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that's why I liked the movie as much as I did. Uh-huh. A lot of it, particularly with the patriarchy storyline and all that, feels very familiar. In terms of, like, um, particularly female-to-male transition, mm. a lot of it is told, hey, you're a traitor. And just mm, the okay. concept of patriarchy being found that way, and later just the line, I thought it was about horses, <laughs> just kind of resonated very heavily with me. I understand um, there's no genitals, ergo, there's no like real transness in the movie until the very mm. end, but I digress. Effectively, that's like how it makes sense to me is, hey, I'm sad, I don't know why figure out why and the form of this was like men have power or men are cool uh-huh and then thus leading to a place in which one can identify with that is where it resonates for me got it yeah and i did i just wanted to add the clarifier that i'm sure you you were not like yay patriarchy it was more oh, no, just like the, no. the par- <laughs> more just the parallel of like i am discovering a way that like um, that there's a, a way to living where, like, I don't feel crummy all the time. And also, like... Is that more accurate? Yes, and also just, it felt like how Ken absorbed it initially while he was in the real world felt more mm-hmm. like a, hey, I'm being seen thing, uh, okay. if that makes sense. Like, that's how I yeah. had interpreted it until uh-huh. he went yes. back and did the things. But... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> until he became a very low-stakes villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I um like I know so fun peek behind the curtain because Vess and I, of course, are friends in well, I w- I would say real life, but we haven't actually met in real life. We're internet friends, but like we've been hanging out for quite a while, honestly. Um, and so like when he told me about that, I was just like, we gotta talk about this because like I feel like I'm sure there are probably other trans men who saw this movie or like trans people. I, you know, maybe that's too much of a generalization, but like, I think there, are, I'm sure there are other people who like also saw this and like probably resonated with that whole journey of like, I'm being seen and like, there are ways to live that like don't involve me being miserable. Um, so that's like a big reason why I wanted to have like Vess talk about Barbie because like, that's I think a really important takeaway. And obviously, the hallmark of good art is like, there are lots of things to talk about, it makes you think. Um, and you, you can resonate with it. So, um, yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I don't know that I have too much to offer uh, from my perspective as a cis person. Like I, like it was, I think the, the only, I guess, aspect of that was like probably like the, you know, living in misery part. Not that I'm necessarily doing that right now as much as just like, I think, one like maybe message where you have to like think about it a little bit from the movie is like 
sure in barbie land like the barbies are in power and so you could say like you could go so far as to say like oh matriarchy like is better than patriarchy but like i think one part of like ken's journey and like identity the crisis at the end was like i think all along during the movie and this ties into vesper's point it was like ken just wanted to be respected and like be treated as an equal and like um or like not maybe maybe not like treated as an equal but like be recognized as like hey i am like your boyfriend and like i want to be seen and like recognized and hence you know like why he goes to the real world sees patriarchy and is just like wow that's great i'm bringing this back um but like i think that was another like i guess very minor point of just like one like having the power centralized in like one type of people's hands isn't necessarily the answer like patriarchy or matriarchy i'm sure they're like actual toxic systems that can come into play and whatever um and like the best way for society to be organized (laughs) this is getting way too deep now (laughs) (laughs) um but like the best way for it to like be organized is like you have ways to like recognize people and like their intrinsic value like i feel like that was um the overall point for ken's story was just like you have value in yourself like that's the whole point of like i am kenoff (laughs) yeah it's Um, about finding that within yourself and being able to hold on to that mm -hmm, yeah which um i don't know if you had any more to add on like the gender journey part because like i feel like that's also a big part of gender is like being able to like maybe i you know like i said i've I've not seen (laughs) like i've not been as on as quite as much of a gender journey as like non-binary folks or trans folks like my journey with gender was i got a perm um had extreme dysphoria looking at myself with like textured hair in the mirror especially when it got in my eyes um i don't remember if i told you this vest but i think day one of getting a perm i was just like I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I look like a butch woman and it did not make me feel good. <laughs> I relate to that thought heavily, unfortunately, because that yes. is not what I'm going for. Right. And like, yeah, so that's like the, so there's that part of the gender journey as well as like, um, like the discord that both Vess and I are in, um, like a lot of folks in there are non-binary um, and so some of our cis friends are, and even some of like the, the non-binary folks are like trying to use they as a, a sort of default or like try to, I think tr- more, more train themselves to use they as default, um, which is fine. But also like, I know Vess had shared this with me earlier. It's like, Hey, if you use they, them for someone who's already told you that their pronouns are he, him or she, her, you know, basically pronouns that are not they, them, that's also sort of misgendering people it absolutely is yeah especially if you willfully do it right and like i think obviously the tricky part about being in in this particular space is like these are all of like our friends and like we know that there's no ill intent behind it but obviously it's like i know i had to say something because i was just like at first i was like oh maybe i'm okay with this um but like as time went on i was just like this feels weird when you use they them for me so I was like, I I ended up having to tell people like, hey, like 
I understand you're trying to do this as a default um, to try and train yourself to use this as default, and that's great. However, you already know my pronouns are he, him. Um, so can you please use he, him for me instead of they, them? So those are like two... I know like there's no magnitude of gender exploration. Like everybody's gender journey is valid. Um, so I'm not, I'm going to try and not compare myself to other people, but that was like the extent of my gender journey. And so obviously, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, no. <laughs> trying to help you, but I have no idea where you were going with that. Oh no. Oh no. We just took a tangent and missed <laughs> the station. Um, let's see. We were taught what we were talking about before this. Uh, oh yes. Was there anything else gender wise that you like, wanted to wanted to share about like your your thoughts about barbie it's just a very first off it's a very white take on gender very cis Mm -hmm. take on gender yes because every every intersection is going to have a different perspective on it but you definitely can't talk about gender without bringing transness into the equation in some form and i still think the very last scene was very very unnecessary to the entire yes. to the rest of the story like it was like a jokey thing i know that but i agree like i um so for for folks who have seen the movie and i guess if you're listening and you don't care about spoilers the last line of the movie is barbie decides to stay in the real world um and be like a normal person um and so her last line is i'm here to see the gynecologist um and it's weird because like some of it is is weird because of like the in world ex- or the in movie like implications of like once you transition over to the real world does that mean that she's now like a real life human yeah because i know that you mentioned like part of transness along with like the whole like you know the everybody nobody in barbie land has genitals like canonically because they're dolls um was there anything else that you wanted to add on there? I don't remember if you had if you you had said anything else or, or if you just like mentioned that in passing. Just mentioned that in passing. Mostly, just it doesn't the essentialism of that mm-hmm. felt not fantastic yes. after yes. everything else that happened in the movie. Right, right, yeah, and I think I mean that definitely highlights your point of it being like if. There, like, I'm sure Greta Gerwig, like, didn't intend for it to be a trans story, but there are definitely, obviously, you know, there are elements in there about gender exploration and everything. Um, but yeah, to your point, it's just like, that is that queer story from a very cis lens and tying it specifically to genitals. And uh, that is, gender is not always related to your genitals. Like, exactly. That's, that's the bottom line, so... Um, did you want to expand on any of the other parts like that you didn't maybe didn't like quite as much in the movie? I don't like. I don't know if I had anything that I actively disliked. The only thing besides like what we just mentioned that I didn't really like was, and I understand they couldn't have really done this a different way, was the narrator's call out when stereotypical Barbie was being upset about attractiveness. And then the narrator was just like, casting Margot Robbie for this was not the best decision, or something to that effect. Right. Just felt really weird, because even the most attractive people can have body dysmorphia, etc. Right, right. 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, now that you mention it, it's definitely, like, I, I see that perspective. I think it was definitely in there as a joke. Because um, I know, like, I laughed out loud in the theater when they when they said that. I mean, yeah, um, me too. But, like, <laughs> sitting on it for a bit kind of... Mm-hmm. And just because something feels uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean it was the wrong course of action. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, I think... Um, yeah, not necessarily helpful to the fact that, like, yes, people who are traditionally attractive can have dysmorphia. Um, like, I... <laughs> the only example that pops into my head is, like, a couple gay porn stars that I've seen, like, on Twitter being, like, I... Like, saying I'm fat, and it's just, like... Or, or you know, having a bad body image day, and they're just, like, I, I'm fat, or whatever. And it's just, like, dude, I can see your fucking abs, like... yeah. Obviously, it, it it lands differently coming from those people, but, like, body dysmorphia, it's for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is uh, no gatekeeping about that existing. Or, you know what I'm trying to say. Yes, there. everybody can have the experience, um, and, like, I mean, I think the, of course, the nuance of this conversation, right, is, like, pretty privilege versus body dysmorphia, like, only certain people have pretty privilege and like society will let you get away with stuff if you're hot um versus like everybody can have body dysmorphia so it's it's very much the whole like pretty people can get away with shit but like pretty people have problems too yeah um so yeah i no i i agree with you that's probably like oh and then i think the other part actually that i like it's a very blink and you miss it moment was like a couple of indigenous people that I follow on Twitter were just like, hey, the Barbie movie makes an indigenous joke about like, oh no, they weren't prepared. Just like the indigenous people weren't inoculated against smallpox or whatever. And like, yeah. that's, that was not a great line. Um, obviously, like, this is because Greta Gerwig is a white woman. Yes. Um, so that part wasn't great. Um and honestly, I I would say probably, you know, it's like the pretty privilege part, or, or sorry, like the body dysmorphia part, I think like, you know, now in retrospect, it's like, okay, yes, that's, that's one thing that I didn't like. I think um, the smallpox joke wasn't great. Um, and then I think the only other part, honestly, that I wasn't too big of a fan of was also what Vess isn't a big fan of, which is the, the closing line. Because I, you know, <laughs> Vess, I'm sure you know that I, I sat there in the theater for like, maybe a couple minutes afterward being like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, like I pieced it together immediately because she was also growing cellulite earlier. Mm, yeah. Um, and she was becoming human. And that's basically what weird Barbie told her or whatever, but it was still really uncomfortable. I know a lot of people are using that as like a fanfic device. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, yeah. Fanfic device. How? To allow sex, of course. Oh, of course. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah, either way, neither of us were a fan of, of that particular line. Um, <laughs> so, um, that's pretty much it, honestly, for our review of Barbie, I think. Do you have any, like, closing statements or, like, overall summary? Because, like, I know... For me, like, my, my sort of summary is, like, I really liked the movie. 
um, a lot more there than you sort of would ex- have expected from Barbie. Um, it's not too deep, so you don't have to think too hard about it, but there's more there than just it being a movie about Barbie. Exactly. I don't know. I like the choreography a lot. I think the casting was well done. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everything made sense for what it was, mm-hmm. except yeah. that last line being out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's Barbie. Um, the other thing that I wanted to have Vess on to talk about <laughs> was um, mostly because like we have been endlessly speculating about this, and it's just been funny, but... Um, if folks haven't been keeping up, which honestly, I don't blame you if you've not been, cause like, this is just such an online thing, but, um, both of us saw, um, so like on the pink carpet for the Barbie premiere, um, you know, all the, all the actors are taking photos and Simu and Ryan Gosling are together for a picture and Simu ends up doing the like really casual, like arm around, I don't, was it his shoulder? I think it was his shoulder, right? I arm thought it was shoulder. his waist. Oh, maybe the waist. Okay. Um, but either way, like, a pretty, like, natural sort of thing to do when you're in, like, a picture with somebody else. Uh, granted, I think I would have personally gone for shoulder. Um, I can now maybe a little bit see how Ryan Gosling was, like, waist is too tender. But, um, but yeah, so anyways, Simu goes in for that, and then Ryan Gosling, like, pulls away from him a little bit. And, um, and then, like, you can overhear Simu saying, like, oh too tender or like oh like oh that's too tender okay that's fine and then they like take a picture i think both of them like have their hands in their pockets or whatever but uh yeah it was very goofy the internet i wouldn't say the internet blew up about it but like the simu haters were like see even ryan gosling can't stand him and um i like my my personal thinking and and best feel free to jump into at any time um i think both of our thinking was like we know that Ryan Gosling, like, specifically told magazine, inter- like, interviews, like, I like this role. It was really, like, made for me, basically. Um, and so my, I guess, half silly, half genuine take is, like, being the role of Ken, like, sort of rotted, not rotted, but, like, took over Ryan Gosling's brain so much that he, like, internalized all of that character's feelings about Simu Ken and Simu's just like I'm here like taking a picture with my co-star who like it's fine (laughs) and Ryan Gosling is just like I'm jealous of you or whatever that is definitely kind of how it came across for sure um and then like even when you watch the interviews he just gets more or less and less coherent I know it's, like, yeah. an act or, like, a bit or whatever, but, um, I think it's funny, and I, I understand, don't... like, the whole reason I started, or I even wanted to watch the movie in the first place <laughs> was because of how Ryan Gosling was talking about the role of Ken, and yeah. how it was, like, made for him euphoric type thing, and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. that feels real familiar. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically for you, is gender all along. Oh, uh, yeah, it was gender all along. <laughs> I just want to be a himbo. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> I feel like himbos are generally pretty harmless. Yeah, well, like, himbo's supposed to be dumb, strong, and kind. Yes. I am one of those things, maybe. But, you know, we get we- there eventually. Exactly. We, we grow. We have life to figure it out. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, so that I mean, I feel like that was our theory is just like Ryan Gosling is just like so into the role of Ken, and then I think the other part was like maybe some jealousy about like Simu having such a like quick entry into the movie like movie industry because like he was on Kim's Convenience first, and then like had maybe a couple guest star roles on TV shows here and there, um, and then he landed Shang Chi. And was in like a Marvel movie and like was the headliner for a Marvel movie. Um, and then like was in a few other movies and like Barbie is a pretty big movie. But even then, I just, I mean, I thought it was funny that Ryan Gosling was like jealous or like acted jealous because like Simu had like a pretty minor role in Barbie. Relatively, yeah. Though, like anything, he was my favorite character in the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was he was there pretty much just for Ryan Gosling's Ken to be upset about. And that's literally it. Yeah. So, <laughs> is there any other any other part of the, the gossip that we missed? Not gossip, I don't think, no. I think, I think that was everything for that. Yeah. Either way... We speculated. We thought it was funny. Um, I personally like the the route of like he just like got too in character and like just res- just harbors that residual sort of like enmity that comes out of genuinely nowhere. Um, I can like the, I think the thing that made me maybe made me like a little leery of Ryan Gosling was just like arm around the waist isn't like. Yes, I can see how you can be like, oh, that's too tender, but that's also a very, I feel like, toxic masculine thing um, to be like, don't touch another guy's waist. Like, I mean, granted, as a gay man, I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. But like... <laughs> that's just like where I normally hold people to begin with. Right. Like, as a short person, we like, like <laughs> I can't... Sometimes going for the shoulders is too high. And the waist is the more practical option. Um, Absolutely. Like, I know, <laughs> like, I know um, like, in the past, I think I was talking with a friend about, like, the logistics of, like, slow dancing um, with somebody. And I'm just like, what if, like, the guy is too tall and I can't reach his shoulders? And then they were just like, no, you just go for the waist. Like, that's always going to be accessible to you the taller guy can put his hands on your shoulders. And I'm just like, oh, problem solved. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, this is all just goofy. Uh, this is also the goofy nonsensical part of the, the podcast. We're not necessarily offering, like, concrete opinions. Um, this is <laughs> this is us uh, not trying very hard to be a gossip rag. <laughs> Shooting the shit or whatever. Yeah, you know, the banter, what people turn into podcasts for, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what you're here for. Um, okay, so that is pretty much it for the main content. We're going to take another break, and then we'll be back with the end of the show. All right, and we're back from the break. So we are now entering the last segment of the show, which, as you may know, this is called What's Your Nonsense? It's where we get to talk about either things that have made us happy or things that no one else is talking about that we are having a blast with. Um, Vesper, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? You go first. 
Okay, so, um, oh man, I came up with like another one when we were going, and I do both. forgot it, but, oh. um, <laughs> I would do both if I remembered them. So, the first one, this is where I'm going to sound like a corporate shell. I mentioned at the top of the episode that I'm going to be a corporate shell twice this episode. So, um, I remember scrolling through Instagram, looking for memes to send to friends, and there was this one ad that popped up for glasses that are specifically tailored towards Asian folks because um, they're you know Asian folks tend to have uh, I think the most notable noticeable trait that like I have that's different from white folks is like um, we don't have a prominent nose bridge so for glasses whether they be sunglasses or normal prescription glasses they tend to slip down our noses. Um, and I know for me personally, like, I guess I just got a fat head. Um, and so, like, the temples on the glasses will tend to, like, squeeze my head and make it very uncomfortable. So I can only wear sunglasses for, like, a certain amount of time before I have to take them off, take a break, and then put them back on. Um, so I was intrigued by this one ad um, for, like, glasses that are, like, more fitting for Asian American people or just, I think, generally people of color. Basically, like, if you don't have a prominent nose bridge, then, like, these glasses are will fit you better. Um, and I think there are a couple different brands for this, but this particular one is called Covery, uh, C-O-V-R-Y. Um, I will say their glasses are a little pricey, but I feel like it's kind of an investment. Um, basically, like, you get a really nice pair of glasses. I've had mine since uh, last Friday, and I love them. Um, they're so comfortable. Um, they like, they look great. They also have this fun feature on the website where you can like virtually try on the sunglasses. Um, so that is my corporate shilly nonsense is covery sunglasses. They also do prescription glasses, which I think that's a bigger win if you are a person who does not have a prominent nose bridge and you wear glasses, obviously you're in your glasses a lot. And so you ideally, those are comfortable for you. Um, so if you can give that a try, I don't know how, I don't remember how like eye vision insurance in the States works. Cause I think you get a certain amount of money put aside for you to buy frames and glasses and everything but I don't remember how that works. I used to work at an eye doctor's office back in high school and into college a little bit um, at Costco. And of course, since I didn't have to wear glasses, I was not familiar with that process. So um, hopefully you know your process for getting frames um, and you can give them a try if you are curious. Um, once again, that is Covery, C-O-V-R-Y. Um, maybe I will remember the other thing that made me happy, but um, Vess, it's now your turn. What is your nonsense? There's a lot of nonsense. Um, <laughs> but I've gotten back into fanfic writing, and I've been fanfic writing for, like, Fire Emblem's Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn. Hasn't really Ooh. gone anywhere. Like, I haven't posted it or anything yet. I've okay. just been um, writing to process mm-hmm. some feelings about stuff that happened earlier this summer with respect to my surgery, and it felt like mm-hmm. the easiest way was to put characters into situations in a war zone. Hey, um, what else? <laughs> what better way to process your feelings than putting your favorite characters into a situation? Unfortunately, this means I've realized that I like characters who are not necessarily good people at all. Unfortunately, but they look cool, and I like <laughs> I like men who are bitchy with long hair. It seems, in terms of like characters, or just 
men with long hair and like do archery as you've seen my taste in characters and video games <laughs> fire emblem doesn't do archery he does in his christmas skin in heroes okay that's right is that does he have his uh, hidden hidden ability or hidden Wait, I forget. Have you? Did you play Three Houses? I have not played Three Houses. I, I, okay, I launched Three Houses and I have not actually played the game. <laughs> I played Three Hopes to hell and back. Um, I love I love that. Like, Did you play Three Houses? Yes. And by yes, I mean I launched the game. Um, okay, well, I'll have, I don't... I, I mean, it's not too pressing of a question for me, but because uh, like, they, they have... The characters have like hidden talents or whatever... Um, and I didn't remember if Felix's was archery or not. But, no. Um, anyways, Felix doesn't do archery in Three Houses, but he does in the mobile game. I think his is spellcasting. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's it's reason reason magic because then his yeah. like best class is um, the swordsman who can also cast magic, which is cool. Yes, got a weird name though, mortal savant. Like what? What does that mean? I don't know where the any of that comes from because mortal doesn't really make sense in a class that nope. kills people. Not really. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's like Fire Emblem lore somewhere in there that I just don't know because I've played like three Fire Emblem games. I don't know that there's any lore in there. Honestly, I think it's just it might be just. I think I remember, like, looking up the Japanese, and I think they also call it Mortal Savant, so it's just, like, it's probably just a translation, like, direct translation, that's it. It says the translation is Epitaph. Oh, that's right. Which also doesn't really make sense to me. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's more kind of along the lines of, like, Death Dealer, so that's cool, because it's, like, the name on the gravestone. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that connects to Mortal Savant, but anyways, go off, Insys. <laughs> what a weird company. They they have the range. They did they do Fire Emblem. They also did Paper Mario. Right, I forgot about that. I loved I, Paper Mario so much. The I played Paper Mario and the Origami King or yeah, Origami King um, on Switch, and I had my shit emotionally rocked. Um, only to be emotionally slingshot back five seconds later because uh, Intelligent Systems does not know how to write a story. No, not really. <laughs> but I I have been liking the story of um, Path of Radiance already and Dawn quite a bit. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, so you, you said fanfic writing to process stuff. Anything else? You said there were other, there was other nonsense too or is that just the one that you, you wish to highlight? I'm sure there's other things that I can't remember right now. <laughs> <laughs> I should have written that other thing down when I remembered it, but um, that is all for us. If you guys got this far, thank you so much for listening. Vess, thank you so much for joining. It was lovely to have you here. Do you have anything that you want to plug or any any or where would you like to be found online, if at all? You can find me on Twitter or whatever. The <laughs> Matari. I don't remember the rest of my handles. I think Blue Sky is also the Matari. Nope, it's just Matari. Um... That's about it. I don't know. Cool. You can find me everywhere at Kato Not Kato. That is K-A-H-T-O-N-O-T-K-A-Y-T-O. Um, I'm on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, all on the same handle. 
Um, I've been trying to stream more recently. Um, I took a, a break from streaming last week. Um, been streaming Ace Attorney uh, with uh, doing silly voices with my friend Rebecca. Um, I'll once again put her I'll put all the social media stuff in the in the episode notes and everything so y'all can find it easily. Um, but yeah, if you want updates on when I'm going to stream, you can follow me on Twitch or I tend to post stuff on Twitter as well for when I'm going live. Um, and if you got this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, this is a completely independent venture. The best way to support the podcast is through Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash nonsense and noise pod, you will find the page for me and you there are a couple membership options there's a tier one that gets you a shout out on the episode uh tier two gets you access to bonus episodes i'm gonna sound like a broken record probably at this point i will be doing more bonus episodes at some point um maybe i'll write up the script for the next bonus episode that i want to do while i take a vacation um my main issue with the bonus episodes is like i feel like it is more scripted like this particular one is going to be on the history of fire island um i think i've mentioned it before on pod but like fire island is such a like cis gay destination um but there's a lot of like important history that's embedded in that destination that makes it like not really a desirable destination if you are a queer person of color or if you're just like a queer person in general um and i think like i would like to share that information with people um but first i want to get that out for people who are subscribed to the patreon so uh that's a fun teaser that's tier two gets you access to bonus episodes tier three gets you the ability to pitch topic ideas uh past ideas have included the world of avatar the last airbender as well as boys love um certainly open to stuff and open to like doing research on topics um, to give you a fun perspective, or I guess the queer slash person of color perspective on it. So um, that's the Patreon. And with that, Vess, thanks again so much for coming on and hanging out. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, always glad to have you. Um, and with that, thank you all for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye! <laughs>